any good stories from the road and pipe up i wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter i'm starting to puke it makes my stomach hurt yeah. i thought he was gonna die i'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit he's on the probiotics is georgia playing the 1985 bears this weekend or what a lot of todd 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 talk rat poison proof they're mongeese we will not be hunted at the university of georgia i can promise you that the hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction it is time to hunt. It's time to let the big dog eat. I'm Wes Blankenship, Palmer Toms, Jake Rowe. On the show this evening, uh, what is it, Wednesday, March 29th? Oh, yeah. You may be listening to this on the day of the Braves season opener. Congrats to you if you're doing that. I know you're jacked. Maybe you're listening to this on April Fool's. We won't fool you. We'll get to a little bit of that uh, in a couple segments. But first, guys... Let's start with Georgia's running back room. I know it's spring. I know it's early. But with Kendall Milton getting banged up again, uh, he's getting banged up metaphorically on our message board. People can't depend on him. But, Jake Rowe, you're here to tell us that that narrative is overblown. It's a little bit overblown. Now, I will say this. I mean, um, and listen, I there aren't a whole lot of people I'm worried about ticking off in this world. Kendall Milton's dad's one of them. Um, I don't want to cross yeah, paths with that dude. Yeah, that's a factor for sure. Yeah, I don't want to cross paths with that dude. He would strangle me out. He'd choke me right out. Uh, I, what I know of him, he wouldn't do that. He's a good guy. But Kendall, I, I will say this. Um, based on his injury history, you got two you got two MCLs, two soft tissue injuries. Um, you could say three for the one that limited him last year in preseason camp. Uh, but then he comes out and scores two touchdowns in the opener. Uh, he's, been every, he's been injured every year he's been at Georgia. Um, he missed three games his freshman year. He missed six games his sophomore year, missed a couple last year, two or three. Um, with that said, it's kind of hard to say, all right, well, you're going to go into the season and you're going to rely on him as your lead back. I don't think Georgia's going to do that anyway. Um, they, they haven't in the past. So, but, but, you know, I do think, I mean, you look at his career, I think uh, 40 career games since he's been at Georgia, 10, 15, and 15. Uh, he's played in 29 of those. So this, if you're out there saying he's injured more often than not, that's hyperbole. Uh, if you're saying, well, you know, he's, he's always injured. He's not, he's, he's played in most, he's been available probably for three or four of those games he didn't play in, but Georgia just didn't have to rush him back. So, um, I see where those are coming from. I see where people are coming from and they're saying, Hey, you can't rely on this guy. Um, you know, it's not any fault of his own. He's just been dinged up. And, and you know, now hopefully he gets this out of the way and he's ready to go for the season. Um, but at the same time, he's been available for most of them, the vast majority of them. And uh, when he's healthy, he's good. And um, I, I'm hoping for his sake, um, you know, for his future and, and for his psyche and everything like that, that he's able to stay healthy uh, through the season. And, um, you know, we, we reported when this injury first came down that it wasn't that serious. And then, we said we heard it was a little bit more serious. It, not really. It's just one of those things that's like, all right, well, if you pull a hamstring, there's three weeks, there's three weeks left in spring drills. He's out for the rest of spring drills. All right, that's it. He, he should be better, ready to go June uh, at the very latest. And, uh, and you know, then he'll go through preseason camp, and we'll see if he can stay healthy for the entire season. Knowing what we know today and what you just said, who do you expect to be Georgia's – leading running back and I know that question comes with a caveat because Georgia likes to run by committee uh, but Kenny McIntosh was by and large the lead dog last year 
do you still expect Kendall Milton to be that guy by season's end? And I'm not saying that you're judging him or banging up on him for his uh, injury history or anything like that, but what does your gut tell you? Do you think it'll be similar to last year? Do you think this will look like more of a committee uh, next season between Kendall Milton, Mustard, uh, Branson, and uh, Paul, and Roger Robinson. That's a lot of guys, man. I mean, that's an embarrassment of riches right there. I, I you had lost me there when you said mustard, but I, I picked up on it eventually. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was like, "What is he saying?" I'm talking about Dejon Edwards. Yeah, I, I, still think, fans. I still think it'll be Kendall Milton. I'm just going to stick with Kendall Milton on that one. Um, I, I think he'll I think he'll work hard this off season, get his body in the best shape as it can possibly be, and and uh, I think he'll be fine. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it would be it would be a deviation from the norm for him at this point. And uh, I never, I never blame it on a kid whenever he can't stay healthy. I, I you know, I, listen, I, I know for a fact there have been kids at Georgia in the past who have kind of cashed out, even when you know healthy enough to play, they didn't. Um, Ad Mitchell is not one of those. Uh, but um, there was a wide receiver before him that was, uh, and and he was available sometimes and didn't decide to play when he when he could have. So. Um, I don't think Kendall's one of those guys. Uh, you know, if you can't stay healthy, that's not your problem. I, I was an oft injured dude myself. I had surgery on both shoulders, both knees. It happens. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. Um, but I think Kendall will put himself in the best position possible to do it. And if he doesn't, let's just take him out of the equation. It's hard to bet against Dejon Edwards because he is so durable um, and and he is so effective. He still gets overlooked, though, man. I don't know if it's because he's the diminutive one in the backfield or what it is, but the perception for me anyway is that people still don't look at that guy as the far, like the leading answer. Well, he had a he had a 20-yard carry last year, I think every 15 or so totes, okay? Um, that's pretty solid. It's pretty good. But he didn't have a single carry over, I think, 27 yards on the year. Um, so he's not a big playback and he's not super flashy. He's just a grinder. And I think I think Branson Robinson is a guy you're looking at. Um, hearing a lot of buzz about him, especially of late. Um, there were some, you know, spoke to some coaches who were at the clinic who really impressed with with him physically and you know, hard not to be. So I think Branson Robinson, Roderick Robinson are gonna have a, you know, are gonna have a say in it. Interested to see where Andrew Paul comes in. Odds are there's going to be a couple of guys get dinged up at running back. It's just too physical not to. So, um, you know, I, I do think Edwards uh, is has shown how durable he can be. He got 140 carries last year, I believe, and didn't really uh, didn't really battle anything publicly injury wise. Even though Kirby Smart did say at times he was dinged up. Yeah, I mean, Jake, you you say you think it's still going to be Kendall Milton. I think it's still going to be Dejan Edwards. I mean, you know, personally, I didn't I didn't see Kendall. Uh, you know, as as the number one back, I, you know, I think it is a one A and one B type deal anytime with this Georgia backfield. But but especially when you've got two guys like Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton, um, you know, Dejan got more carries per game than than Kendall did. Um, you know, that I think that he's kind of earned that, um, you know, and, and again, he may not be the most flashy. He may not be the guy that everyone looks to and is it just thinks, uh, you know, oh, number one back. And I think a lot of that probably goes back to recruiting. I mean, Kendall Milton was a was a, a great stud point. coming yep. out of high school. 
the, the, a kid that Georgia pulled from all the way across the country, got to come to the Southeast from the West Coast. Dejan Edwards is from their backyard, and, and it was somebody that that was a little bit of a, of a you know, I mean, it was a backup plan to, to other options in that class, to Zach Evans, to, um, uh, to Tank Bigsby. I mean, guys like that were were that one A option. Dejan was a little bit of a of a deeper pull uh, by Del McGee, and it's turned out to be a great one so far. Um, like you said, Jake, I, I think he's proven to be reliable. Um, you know that that he's he's proven that he can take the hits and and stay healthy. Um, you know, I, I think every time a running back, every time you say that, you're holding your breath, thinking, hoping that it stays true. Um, but I think Dejan Edwards probably was going to be Georgia's leading rusher before the Kendall Milton injury. And I don't think the Kendall Milton injury changes anything for Kendall. Uh, I think he was probably going to be the number two running back, uh, in in terms of carries and yards. Um, you know, what, what interests me about Kendall is how does his ability out of the backfield uh, affect this? Because Dejan, has at least you know I, I don't think Dejan is as good of a pass catcher, and so does that get Kendall on the field more? Does he play more snaps because of that? Um, but you know, in terms of a pure running back, I think Dejan Edwards is was the better option and and continues to be the better option. Both of these guys had uh, some injuries uh, issues here and there with turning the ball over last season. I think that's something that both of them need to shore up. Uh, no doubt about it. I think all four of the the backs that really carried the ball for Georgia last year had a fumble, at least one. Um, and that was something I was thinking about earlier today when you were talking when was about Branson? uh he against Tennessee, I believe. In the uh, Dejan had one against Tennessee. Dejan had one early in that game. You might be right that yeah, Branson had one. He turned it over right yeah, after right Georgia had forced their turnover. Yeah. In that game. He coughed it up. And then Kenny McIntosh's was against Florida, 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 because yeah, and, Kirby Kirby yeah. talked about how he came out pissed off after that. Right, um, and Milton's and was Missouri. Against, uh, yeah, it was Missouri, and that was a big. He <laughs> Milton's was probably the most noticeable. Uh, maybe it mattered the most, and I don't, I don't know if anyone of them truly mattered a ton since Georgia went undefeated. But the dogs' defense held Tennessee um, after Dajan fumbled, but once Kendall Probably fumbled, field goal. yeah. Once Kendall fumbled at Mizzou, I mean that pucker factor got a little bit intense. Well, at the time, so if you if you take yourself back to the moment, Dejan Edwards felt the worst because that was a zero zero game. Yes. Georgia's driving, coughs it up. Uh, did end up being that big of a deal. Obviously, Milton's was there. I mean, McIntosh's fumble allowed Florida to kind of try to climb back in that game a little bit um, and make it closer than it was uh, previously. Obviously, and then. Uh, you know, Branson Robinson's was, you know, Georgia had just gotten it was, that one was kind of on the house. Uh, and honestly, what you got a true freshman carrying the football for in the pouring rain, massive game. I don't know. I, I didn't really know what was going on there. I was kind of a enigma how they used him last year anyway. Yeah. Speaking of enigmas, Matthew C says Brock Bowers will be lined up at fullback 69% of the time mm-hmm. in Bobo's offense. That's a very specific percentage estimation from nice. Matthew C. Very nice. Uh, let's talk about Branson Robinson, though. Um, at times, I was just waiting for that guy. I, 
I almost felt like it wasn't fair to him because there have been so many just uh, historically great freshman running backs at Georgia that just came out of the gate. And for whatever reason, I don't know if Branson didn't have the opportunity to really get his feet under him or really get going. You didn't see that from him last year, and that's not an indictment on him. There were a lot of other good backs uh, and a lot of good <laughs> players on offense, period, that you had to compete against if you're Branson Robinson. What What's it going to take for him to separate himself? And it sounds like, from what y'all have seen and heard from practice, that he is taking the opportunity to do that this spring. Well, we saw that flash against Auburn. Um, you know, he had, over, I think, 91 yards rushing in that game. I think it was um, 98. 98. It may have been, you're right. It may, it may have been a little higher than that. But he looked really good against Auburn. And, you know, what was weird about that game is, you know, the the announcers said – um, that he had earned he had earned an opportunity to play. You know that Kirby had told them that. Uh, we know that Kenny McIntosh was dinged up. Um, he was dealing with a thigh bruise, uh, and and Kendall Milton got hurt early in that game. Had a groin injury, um, and, and I don't know. Branson looked really good in that just in that game, but then you didn't see really much of him until the national championship game when um, against a defeated Tennessee. I mean, sorry, TCU defense. Um, he looked incredible. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's a really talented back. I think confidence is a big thing with a running back. Um, I think running backs are almost like three-point shooters there. I mean, if you if you make it to a place like Georgia, um, you're probably hard to tackle. Um, you're probably really physical. You're probably really fast, and, and, and you're capable of big things. It's just a matter of can you get confident? Can you, you know, be, become the kind of back that – that you know trusts your instincts, and and I think that's something that he maybe battled a little bit last year because it was so different um, than than coming from the high school level where he probably had a lot of Branson right, Branson left type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I think he's definitely got all the tools, and um, there's some stiffness there. Uh, he's he's not a perfect um, specimen of a running I mean, back. I'm not he's a, he's a giant muscle dude. I, I mean, there, it's hard to be flexible. He's gonna do some of that Brock Bowers yoga. Yeah, Nick Chubb had some stiffness. I mean, and I'm not trying to compare him there, but then that's what everybody likes to say because he's a workout warrior. Um, but, you know, I think both the Robinsons, I mean, I think Roderick Robinson is going to be a guy, you know, started to hear a little bit of chatter about him. Dude, his, I didn't realize how big his, he was. His balance. Um, you just don't see backs that big and that smooth. And and I'm just – I'm really, really fascinated by that combination there and um, and, and how good he can be. Yeah, They've, Georgia's got a big running back room. I mean, Andrew Paul, two eighteen. Uh, I'm just scrolling through the weights here. Two twenty for Kendall Milton. Um, Roderick was, is listed at two thirty five. Uh, Branson at two twenty, uh, and then Dejan at two oh one, and he's five ten. You said Roderick was 235? Yeah, Roderick 235. Yeah, man, I, I did not realize he was that big. I didn't realize he was built like that. That's uh, that's a lot of dog. And we're not overlooking Andrew Paul. I believe we brought him up on Sunday show. Maybe it was this past Wednesday. I can't remember. I wasn't on last Wednesday. Um, we're not overlooking him. He's just dealing with his own injuries too. But once he gets back, I mean, he's kind of like a Kendall Milton – clone uh, to a certain extent i mean that this really could be the biggest running back room that george has had top to bottom 
in a while. Well, and and because of that, I'm very curious to see, and, and I think that Kendall's injury this spring could help with this. How does how do these guys develop as pass catchers? Because that's one thing that they are losing in Kenny McIntosh is a very reliable pass catching back. They used him in that role, obviously this past season, but, but even when they had Zamir and and James cook there as well, they used Kenny McIntosh as that go-to guy out of the backfield. Who's going to be that guy. Who's going to step up as, as a pass catching option, because that's a, that's an important part of a Mike Bobo offense. Yeah. I can't wait to see how it works. We know that, Mike Bobo loves his running backs. He loves to run the damn ball. And fans like to tell him to run the damn ball. We like breaking tea. And we like the variety of T-shirts and hoodies and apparel that they offer over at their storefront. You can always find the breaking tea store in our show description. Guys, uh, this spring, I I don't know how many opportunities – Breaking T will have to create a lot of new T-shirt designs, uh, but the things they already have are pretty solid. You can't go wrong with the back-to-back national championship gear. That dog will hunt. I really like that. Jake, I know you like that red, white, and black piping in the logo there. There's a uh, nice hoodie. Get something for your woman as well. Breaking T has all the national championship gear, back-to-back champs, and the original champs. If you want to go back and appreciate that 2021 season, it was pretty special too. Breaking T has all of the dog's apparel that you could want. All right, I brought up April Fool's, guys, and obviously Georgia doesn't play football during April Fool's, but I wanted y'all to kind of look back here and think about some of the biggest moments where Georgia fooled you. And maybe it was for a good reason. You know, maybe it was like that LSU game in 2000. Was it 2003 or 2004 when LSU was the defending national champs and the dogs just blew the doors off Nick Saban between the hedges? I don't think anyone expected that to happen. Maybe it was David Green's legendary play-action fake or Aaron Murray. He pulled it off, too against Ole Miss, and David Green did it against Vandy. What are some moments that stand out to y'all on this theme of April Fool's where Georgia really just pulled a bait-and-switch on you? Hmm. My, my, mine will always be the David Green play-action fake, and I was there yeah. for that game, and I was there for the Aaron Murray yeah. uh, against Ole One Miss. To, yeah, Marlon Brown, I think it was, that caught that pass. But the one – against Vandy when David Green did it, he fooled everybody. He fooled the Jefferson pilot, <laughs> Cameron Well. He 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 might have fooled Mark Rick. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. i tell you, this is going to sound weird. You'll talk about a bait and switch. 2016, Kirby Smart's first year at Georgia. They go to Ole Miss, and they get absolutely gutted. I'm talking about just stem to stern, gets ripped wide open, guts out everywhere on the field. Um, you're thinking, oh my God. And, and you know, maybe you should have saw it coming. They had already struggled with Nichols earlier that year. Um, Kirby was obviously struggling a little bit himself, but also struggling to kind of get that culture implemented. The team was more talented than it was playing, but it 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 wasn't 
super, super ready to compete the big time either. And then, man, they Tennessee, which, you know, was a much better team, and Georgia ended up losing the game. Tennessee rolls into town, and Georgia just starts punching them in the mouth like, mm-hmm. repeatedly over and over and over again. Um, Tennessee ranked number 11. Georgia found a way to lose that ball game. I mean, you know. Did Georgia the, lose three games in a row that year? Because no. I know they lost Vanderbilt right after. No, they lost four, four of five in that stretch. They lost Ole Miss, Tennessee – then they beat South Carolina okay. in that Sunday game, mm-hmm. and then yeah, they lost right. to Vandy, and then Florida. Florida, yeah, yeah. And then kind of got it back on the right track with a ranked win over Auburn, uh, and a low scoring game, and then found a way to lose to Tech. Um, you know, there late in the season, just a real weird team. And then uh, another bait and switch on the other side of that is uh, 2000, uh, 2014. Mike Bobo's last year at Georgia. I mean, they're they're they they lose to South Carolina. They lose Todd Gurley. Then they, you know, look awesome. They lose to Florida out of nowhere, bait and switch. They get it back on track. Is that beat, the one where they gave up like 500 rushing yards? Yeah, 400 and something, yeah. They just kept running the same play over and over and over again. And then uh, they get it back on track, beat the fool out of Auburn. Again, a ranked Auburn team at home, just tear them out of the frame. And they lose the Tech. So uh, Mark Rick's teams are pretty good at the bait and switch. They could get up and play some big games. They could lose ones they weren't supposed to lose. Um, as, 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 as much as there were more times, good times than bad, there were some head scratchers. When you lose to Tech, man, it doesn't matter how good the season is. It's such a cliche, but it, it just puts the worst taste in your mouth. Matthew C. says that the Tech loss in 2016 was the worst of them all. We were talking about this on the board the other day, though. In an ironic twist of fate, it really could have been one of the best things to happen for Georgia because Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle decided to come back. I know Nick Chubb said specifically he came back because of that loss. I don't know how much of a factor it was for Sony and Lorenzo and Davin Bellamy, but what if Georgia wins that game and Nick Chubb says, all right, I'm ready to go to the league? You, you never know what happens. Yeah, no doubt. That game absolutely played a part because they they all announced that they were coming back like three weeks later, two, three weeks later. I mean, it was it was before the the Liberty Bowl. Um, we all knew that they were, you know, coming back. So that that definitely played a role. And and probably, you know, we look back and talk about what ifs and um blessings in disguise and his ways are higher than our ways. Uh that's that's one of them right there. <laughs> the 2008 season was a bait and switch. Uncle Glenn says the whole year was a bait and switch. I feel I feel so bad for for that team that year though because it was I don't know man the, the team wasn't particularly deep. It wasn't as deep as it needed to be to win a super you know win a championship and be elite. But I don't know that any I don't know that Georgia could have been deep enough to withstand what it withstood that year. I mean Trenton Sturt event ACL. Injury after injury after injury. I mean, they were that was that team just was snake bit to the nth degree. Um, they lost so many good players before the season even started, uh, so many key players, and uh, that's always a tough pill to swallow. Even if they were healthy, I don't know that they were going to have what it took to beat that Florida team. Specifically, after we find out how pissed off Urban yeah. Meyer was about. Ricked kind of running it up or running in the end zone and kind of punking them out in 07. Yeah. I don't know that anyone knew what they were walking into in Jacksonville that year. 
I'd like to have seen it because, um, you know, yeah, yeah, Florida did beat beat up on Georgia pretty good. Georgia was still in that game, you know, second, third quarter, I believe, had a chance to kind of get back in it and had some mistakes. But, yeah, that, that team was kind of starting to come apart at the seams, and I think you had um, – once once you had a couple losses, you know, once you had, I think, the Alabama, you know, in, embarrassment at the blackout and all that stuff, mm. I think what you really ran into there was, I think, no Sean and – Stafford and whether they, you know, would admit it or not or whatever, I think that they kind of got a foot out the door. Um, once the not, I think no Sean, I think no Sean's admitted it. I think he's, uh, it wasn't really a secret. I mean, they enjoyed their time in Athens. And once that season was not a championship season, I think everyone knew how that one was headed. And, and listen, that's, that's one of the reasons why, you know, when, when I defend the Bobo hire, or I, I'm going to defend any hire Kirby makes at this point, unless he decides to bring James Coley back as offensive coordinator, um, or or you know Kevin Ramsey back as defensive coordinator, because listen, man, this what Georgia's got going on right now, the 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 expectations, the way it's kind of feeding off of itself, like year after year, it's going to elevate a lot of good coaches. I mean, you had Todd Munkin and who did a fantastic job at Georgia as a play caller. Fantastic. I don't want to take anything away from him. You heard great things about the way he game planned and about the way he taught. Um, you had Todd Monk in there who took Brock Vandegrift over Caleb Williams. Then they went and tried to get Caleb Williams out of the portal. Uh, and then um, tried to run off Stetson Bennett. And it, they couldn't lose. They couldn't figure out a way to mess it up. And I'm not trying to say Todd Monkey, but I mean, they made a couple of mistakes like people do, and they still couldn't figure out a way to mess it up. Yeah. Um, because the culture was there, the connection was there. And, you know, I think if, if I were to look back years down the line and to write a, let's say, Georgia three peats, and somebody says, hey, you go write a book, that's the first thing I'm going to is the connection and the culture, because I think that is more, that is even more important than, than the talent and the depth. Because, you know, yeah, they're first rounders and stuff like that, but there aren't, there's not a first rounder at wideout. There's not a, there's not a, a generationally talented um, freak show quarterback. Um, it's, a, it's a really well-balanced, good, deep roster with incredible culture. Just Brock Bowers. Yeah. I mean, speaking of switcheroos and Todd Munkin, how about Lamar Jackson? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, he thought that was uh... – uh, we knew it was tenuous, but how about Munkin showing up now and just kind of wondering, like, all right, what am I going to do here? Not good, Bob. Not good at all. Um, I believe Jake Roos is going to join us here in a few minutes. We have learned that Deuce Robinson will commit on March 30th. If you're listening to this after that, then you probably already know what happened. But, man, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about that. Not like it was a sure thing, but it certainly felt like it. And then uh, the whole Major League Baseball situation happened, and it seems like Southern Cal will be pulling this one, uh, this rabbit out of the hat. Yeah, it looked like Georgia was going to get Deuce Robinson and Walker Lyons. Uh, Southern yeah. Cal's going to get both of those guys. Um, you throw those two together with the mass defections – uh, from the tight end position with Eric Gilbert, uh, you know, Darnell Washington going pro, Brett Sither, Rylan Gody, and the injury to Pierce Sperlin. Here we are. 
we were talking. This is how quickly things can change. Three months ago, we were talking about, oh my God, this tight end room. And listen, it's still super talented. It's still going to be great. And but now Georgia's got three healthy tight ends, and it didn't get either of the late additions at tight end position. It thought it was going to get. Uh, Todd Hartley's off to an incredible start next year's class with a five star already in the fold and Landon Thomas. So there's no reason to panic. But uh, man, you just don't count the chickens before they hatch. No, you can't. It, and while we were talking about it, I mean, we were we had just seen Georgia win back to back national championships or or get close to it. If I'm mixing up my dates, I apologize. So it seemed somewhat realistic, but even in the back of my mind, I was like, this may be a little too good to be true. And I don't know what the Major League Baseball thing was. Maybe that was a smoke screen. Maybe it was just a way for him to buy some time and figure out what he really wanted to do. But, I mean, this does seem like a no-brainer. And if Southern Cal can finally piece together an offense outside of a quarterback, then maybe Lincoln Riley can make his way back to the college football playoff. Matthew C is going to love that. <laughs> I mean, Lincoln wins one. The next one he wins will be his first as far as a playoff game goes. Uh, maybe maybe when the playoff expands and he has a little bit of an easier draw in the first round. I think he's a fantastic coach, but, I mean, there's no way to really beat around the bush here. Uh, they don't play good football. They don't play winning football when they play great teams. They just don't. Yeah. Where, let's see where they're at in the – recruiting well and to a certain extent there was that same thing at oklahoma i mean yeah no doubt uh that that rose bowl against georgia was about the only time that it feels like oklahoma showed up and and played in a in a big big game obviously they had some big ones in their in their league but on that national stage Here's Roos on Deuce. Welcome. Uh, yeah, all things trending USC. Um, I went in and put in my prediction for USC. Um, I had earlier predicted Georgia as the spot, and I think if it had gone down around signing day, that would have been the case, to be honest with you. But USC just hung around and continued to trend there, and I think that there's a lot of people in his circle that um, are, are leaning that way as well. So, um, you know, listen, it's – is it's not ideal. You certainly would prefer to have Deuce Robinson on your team than not. I certainly understand that. But you got Pierce Sperlin and Lawson Lucky in this class. You feel really good about those guys. And you have the number one tight end committed for the class of 2024 already with uh, a number of top-tier guys at the position looking at you uh, as well for that class. So, listen, uh, <laughs> Georgia's in a lot – Georgia's not in bad uh, in a bad spot in any position. They're not even close to a bad spot in the tight end position. So yes, all right. So so Georgia's tight end position recruits itself right now. I mean, Todd Hartley's crushing it. But let's look at twenty three. Okay, Deuce Robinson goes to Southern Cal. All right, right now you see where Georgia is, where where Bama is, uh, the Arch Manning party right there with Texas. Southern Cal's still only at 13 right now. I mean, they can't gain that much ground with Deuce. And then you look at 24. So maybe I was speaking a little too soon. I mean, I don't even see them unless my eyes are just well, there's collectively USC not seeing them. Right? Like Southern Cal's is nowhere on the radar right now. 
Uh, is that true? I, I don't see them. Do they don't have anybody. Sure. I got a 404 error code, but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that's crazy to me, man. I mean, I was thinking like, okay, maybe, you know, they've got their typical success at have, quarterback. All right. So they have one commit in the class of 2024. Uh, ironically, a tight end, Joey yes. Olson, uh, the number 14 player at the position, 271 out of uh, overall, and he's out of Oregon. Yeah, that, that surprised me. That really shocks me. Yeah. Um, um, so, I mean, what do you think the, the baseball thing was, Bruce? Right before you hopped on, I kind of was just wondering out loud – I guess in hindsight now, it seems kind of like a smokescreen that gave Deuce a little bit of time to maybe reevaluate some things. I don't think so so at all. I think that I think baseball was and still is a big consideration. And I think that there's a very real chance that he ends up pursuing and and chasing that. Um, I I don't, I wouldn't write that off at all. Um, I think that, you know, it makes sense to go ahead and, you know, get your spot and then you kind of can pick and choose because you can see what the MLB wants to do with you and chase that if you want, or you can chase the, uh, chase the college football thing. If, if that's how you want to go. I mean, you, you've got both things at play. I think that the way I look at it, he's a winner either way, man. I mean, he, there's, there's really no, there's no downside for Deuce Robinson in any of this. He wins. Bruce, is it possible for him to chase both at the same time? That's been kicked around a lot because that because that, that's what I've seen kicked around and and I've seen the Los Angeles Dodgers kicked around as a possible landing spot, which makes USC make even much more sense. Yeah, absolutely, no question about it. And wouldn't it make sense for yeah? Damn you, Braves! And and you and uh, the Dodgers uh, do their spring training in Arizona. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that being kicked around. I, I think that that's all of these things, all of these things are factors. I, I firmly believe that. And can he pursue both at one time? I think that he can. I How the hell he, would that work? <laughs> I think essentially what you'd have to do is create some sort of almost independent study type program and say like, Hey, you can go do spring training with the team. I, I, I don't, I'm telling you, it's just, it's, insane man it's the it the juggling and the the step that would be required would be pretty groundbreaking um but i don't think that it's i don't think it's totally out of the question hey where there's a will there's a way i mean you could uh certainly have him taking his classes like i guess in a a dugout somewhere I i don't know i mean you can do school anywhere these days you could be he could be just not taking classes at all. I mean, ba- th- th- you bring up a directed study of baseball, Roos. That's fascinating. Yeah, and and not only that. I mean, you look at some of those teams out west, you know, like the Dodgers stuff. I believe those teams do spring training in Arizona, where yeah. he's from. Um, you know, there's that connection too. But there there are a lot of guys who. I mean, Kyler Murray kept kept uh, kept uh, things warm, you know, while the baseball thing warm while he was there. I mean, the guys do it all the time. It's just a matter of, uh, um, you know, and, and Roos and I were talking about this earlier today. It's kind of weird. Baseball is the less physically taxing spot, but the window there to make an impact and to get yourself in position to play that game long term is is so much quicker than the NFL. 
so much to the point that you have to kind of go for baseball first. You never see guys uh, – well, I, I haven't seen – can't recall very many guys. I mean, Bruce brought up Tim Tebow when we were talking earlier today. But you don't see very many go for football first and then, oh, I'll do baseball later. Uh, it's, you know, hey, I'm going to go give baseball a shot, 18, 19, 20 years old. Maybe you get all the way up to 21, 22, like Chris Winky, Chris uh, Quincy Carter, those types. It doesn't Brandon. work out. And then you decide to go be a Brandon Whedon and uh, be an old man playing football at the college level and, you know, still get out of school before Stetson Bennett. <laughs> uh, speaking of QBs, we got another commitment date, Jake. Uh, and another Jake, Jake Merklinger will commit as well. Uh, and he will decide between Georgia, Michigan State, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Uh, where do we see this one headed right now, Roos? Uh, I hate the Tennessee man's not with us tonight because uh, the Vols look like the place um, for uh, Jake Merklinger. And I think that makes a lot of sense. It's not a huge surprise. I think if he would have waited, it would have been better for Georgia, certainly more advantageous. Um, Georgia had a great shot um, given the, um, you know, the ties to the family, the in-state play, you know, he, he admitted that that was a, a pretty special offer when he received it, but the fact of the matter is Tennessee's got him circled number one on the board and has been treating him that way all along. Georgia, on the other hand, has a, a, a quarterback already committed and has made no qualms about chasing Dylan Riola very publicly. So, you know, I get it from that perspective. I think and Puglisi is just Wolf of Wall Streeting every time someone <laughs> asks them. I'm not leaving. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, so, Listen, Merklinger, I think, um, is one of those um, one of those kids that you know. I, I listen. I'm not saying that his commitment won't be solid and that Tennessee won't be able to hold on to him. I think all those things are true. I think that they will. But I, I could definitely see if things go south with Riola, Georgia looping around in a big way and saying, "Hey, look, we we can we can uh, you know we we still got a place for you if this is a place that you want to be." But right now, Tennessee definitely going to be the place uh, that I, I expect that it goes. Uh, Thursday and um, great pickup for the balls, man. He's a tremendous player, and, and uh, I think is a guy who could really uh, thrive in Josh Heupel's system. Are yeah. there are there any other names on Georgia's board for that second quarterback besides Rayola and Merklinger? Yeah, uh, you know somebody asked about that yesterday, and um, you know the ones that I pointed to uh, are a couple of committed guys that are. Um, uh, Luke Cromenhoek is is one name to look at. Uh, he's an FSU commit uh, out of the Savannah area and was a name that I heard tossed around around the same time that Merklinger um, got his offer. I think it was kind of between those two guys. So uh, Georgia could possibly look that direction. I don't. I haven't heard this name mentioned, and they may have no interest whatsoever, but a guy that intrigues me a lot in this class because I think he's a different athlete from Ryan Puglisi is uh, Jakari Williams who's committed to Georgia Tech. Um, I think that he's a, an intriguing guy, a great, great scrambler, good athlete. Um, you know, I think that he would bring a, a really nice dynamic. So he's an in-state guy too, and um, I, I think that that would be compelling. I don't know that they're going to chase him though. And look, maybe you go – maybe you take the portal route. I mean, that's not out of the question. What, what's definitely not out of the question though, they're, they're not taking just one guy in this class. It's not going to happen. They're going to go find a second guy in some form or fashion. We'll see who that is. I think, you know, you got to make it through the Riola thing, and then you go back to the drawing board after that probably. 
Jake, when you talk about, you know, potentially being able to circle back with Merklinger, I'm not saying that this is the same in any way, shape, or form, but it just reminds me of how delicate a balance that can be. And it reminds me of uh, the whole Zach Calzada situation where Georgia basically like had to come in, give him an offer late, and it doesn't work out. And, you know, for one reason or another, you know, I don't know if he felt burned or he was committed to A&M or it, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, and I may be misremembering some of the details on that. But at the quarterback position, it's just so hard, you know, to keep tabs and lock in with the guys that you want to get. And if they don't work out, you got to hope that there's another option there. And it seems like Georgia is solid in this class. It's not the same deal um, where they kind of had to scramble in that particular class. But that's, to me, just an example of how things can go wrong, I guess. Sure. I mean, we talked about on the board today how lucky I think that they were that Jake Fromm entertained, you know, the idea of coming back on board after he'd already committed to Alabama and they'd taken Bailey Hockman in that class, or they had Bailey Hockman committed. Kirby Smart shows up to town. Obviously, you know, everything's kind of scattered to the wind and they have to push reset on that. But yeah, it's a, it's a delicate cycle. And, and listen, I mean, should these kids feel honored and blessed to, to have these scholarship offers? Yes. But at the same time, they're 17 year old guys with egos, man. And they, they, there's a, there's a big ego that it comes with playing quarterback. You have to feel like you're the man to do that. And um, you know, there's a, there's something to that. So I, you know, I don't blame any of those guys for, for how they feel, how they don't feel. I will say Georgia's done an, an exceptional job. I think over the last couple of years, of basically just leaving the door open for guys and saying, hey, you know, we wish you well. Good luck on what you choose. We'll be here if you choose something different. I think that you've seen that play out in a lot of these recruitments um, and, and, and a lot of the reason that guys have transferred back. Smoke Bowie uh, most recently kind of fits that mold of, you know, hey, we wish you well. Good luck. And then mm. he decides to move on. He comes back home. I mean, right. Michael Williams was certainly that sure. when yeah. he committed to USC. Yeah. You, and you never know, man. You never – I mean, and I'm I, I'm kind of sort of trying to be funny here, kind of not, but you never know, you know, when Coach B is going to get busted with a Waffle House waitress and, <laughs> you know, lose his job. He loses his job, and that's who he had the connection with, and then the door is wide open. Or suddenly he becomes the, the head coach of Central Michigan. You know, I mean, the 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 wide receivers coach that you fell in love yeah. with comes the Central Michigan. Man, I thought you were referencing something there. And no. I was like, there's a, there's no, a, no, know no, something no. we don't. No, you know no it's like Waffle House and Central Michigan. Well, but it's like it's like those kids. You know, these the Ohio State commits, right? The the uh, Jeremiah Smith has talked about. You know, I'm keeping it open in case something happens with Brian Hartline. Well, that's that's very reasonable in my opinion because somebody would do very very well to hire Brian Hartline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. And those kids, those kids, I think, are smart to do that. And I, I think that and schools know that too. I mean, that's yeah. that's why you know Sammy Brown commits to Georgia. Let's say if Georgia gets Sammy Brown, Clemson's going to be all over him, man. I mean, they are going to be all over him. Not only that, but you know, let's say Raylan Wilson, right? I mean, Michigan would be would have been absolutely stupid to say. Um, you know, because he was a one-time commit to to burn a bridge there. Yeah, absolutely. Because because you know, Glenn Schumann gets a job, you start telling Raylan Wilson, hey dude, come on. You know, you loved us once. Glenn Schumann's not there anymore. Come love us again. Absolutely. Ro, we, we spoke about it's happening. I don't what's that? Are you suggesting tampering's happening? Come on, man. 
100%. Happens everywhere. Uh, Michigan does it. Georgia does it. Ohio State does it. Everybody does it. Everybody. You ain't yeah. tampering. You ain't trying. Yeah. That's why, I, that's why I thought it was so funny with the AD thing. Everybody's like, well, tampering. Yeah, dude. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, come on, dude. How do you think Ra-Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett ended up Georgia State? <laughs> they just love the grill. By the way, the grill opening back up. I just uh, I just learned. So that's oh man, news. I can't wait to to get a uh, to get an armpit hair in my in my fedora. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it's from the armpit, Ro. Before we move on to uh, chopping wood, we talked about kind of the culture shift from Georgia Sugar Bowl no show against Texas. What what Kirby Smart learned from that, just to put a bow on this quarterback conversation. What do you think Kirby Smart learned from the whole Justin Fields, Jake Fromm situation? Do you think he's changed how his staff approaches recruiting these guys, or is it pretty much just the same and and that was just a blip? Yeah, I don't think they changed a whole lot. I think you try to go out there and you go get a dynamic guy and and you – you're honest. I mean, they've done something here in the last few years that's allowed them to hang on to quarterbacks at a rate that nobody else has been able to hang on to them. Um, I don't know if it was just they they got the right guys. Um, not sure what's going on there, but I do think that um, I, I, I to this I'll say I believe this way until I die. I mean, uh, is yeah, there probably was some miscommunications or some falsehoods that came out in the Justin Fields thing. They probably promised to do some things. Justin Fields probably committed to do some stuff that he probably didn't do either. Um, you know, but we, we know that the attitude wasn't always great. And how could it be with an 18-year-old facing some adversity that he's never faced before? But ultimately, Georgia played the quarterback that year that gave him the best chance to win that year. And you can't play for 2019 and 2018 when you've got a team that was, you know, a, a good quarter of football away from playing the college football playoff. Um, with that said, I don't think that it has changed their philosophy on how they handle quarterbacks. You just got to stockpile the position. You got to go to get the best player you can get as often as you can get him. Um, get the guy and keep recruiting it because, you know, your backup in a lot of instances these days is going to be a true freshman. Yeah. And that's just the way it's got to be. And I do think that taking two quarterbacks is kind of the new genius move on how to do this thing because it's how you end up with three and four quarterback rooms. Um, and those make coaches feel a lot better, especially whenever you can basically run. You know, if you're Georgia and you've got a full roster like they do, Georgia can run three teams basically every practice and get everybody a bunch of reps whenever you're in these spring drills and, and fall camp modes and, and you're in, hey, let's get better mode, not, not game plan. You can get a lot done like that. I like this uh, from Chad Dog 77 uh, meet and greet before the season, creature comfort, something like that. I mean, if there's beer involved, you know, at least uh, at least all four of us will be there. So, uh, <laughs> Chad, I like that. We'll see what we can put together, man. Uh, let's get to some chopping wood. And I know Jake Rowe is probably going to talk about the Braves. Actually, no, I didn't even know the season started more, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, just, I'm, a little, I'm a little sad, dude. I'm a little locked sad in. about the Braves. Um, I don't even miss Dansby Swanson that much, but uh, it's real crappy to go into a season with a with a shortstop like Orlando Arcia. Um, that kind of breaks my heart a little. Pretty bit. underwhelming. Yeah, super underwhelming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I 
I, I'm not I'm not all that fired up this about this Brave season just yet. It'll probably take me a couple weeks. That means they're going to win the World Series. It's it's so. been way too long. They're on a drought. <laughs> um, I'll chop wood about the uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur event because there is a Georgia golfer right in the thick of it. Are you stealing my non-Georgia football sports? <laughs> no, dude. This is the Georgia show. And last I checked, they play this <laughs> this tournament in Georgia. And uh, Jenny Bay right there at three under, uh, just a few strokes back. That's is my bay. In contention. <laughs> That's bay. Don't think you I, – I think that every time I get the Mike Mopley emails, man. <laughs> she had well i wish jigs. that claude felton wrote those because the subject would just say bay yeah and that would be an, uh, an instant click for me but jenny bay uh georgia golfer she's got a shot to win at augusta national not a lot of people have a chance to say that they'll play at um i believe they'll play the how's it worth they play the first couple rounds um at the other augusta club and then they will move to the final round yeah, they, Augusta National. So they, they play for today, wins rounds one and two at, and I can't remember, it's not Augusta Country Club, but I can't remember the name of it. So they play rounds one and two there. So they'll be there again tomorrow. And then uh, Friday, they will have an off day for a practice round at Augusta National. Man, how all, sweet is that? I know. All, all 70 of the participants in the field get to go there and do that. And then Saturday, uh, the field is cut to 30 off of the first two rounds, 30 in ties for the final round at Augusta National before things kick into high gear with the Masters next week. Uh, Jenny, a 68.83 average this past fall. So she it's was – at seven birdies today. Yeah, I mean, just just crushing it. Also, Collins Hill Eagle, great. So uh, – Chopping what about that? Yes, champions retreat. I see it in the I see it in the comments. Thank you, Palmer. All right. <clears throat> Pass the I'll baton. Go, hey, I'll go next. Uh <laughs> listen, I got a story coming tomorrow. Nazir Stackhouse spoke to us, uh, or not to me. I wasn't there. Palmer was because Palmer's Palmer's the heart and soul of this website uh and this YouTube channel. Um sorry, Wes. Uh so Nazir Stackhouse speaks last night, and I thought he had a really fascinating comment on Jalen Carter. Um, asking about kind of, you know, Georgia, you know, the line, defensive line being different. He goes, well, he starts off with that stock answer, you know, that uh, not too much has changed. But then I thought it was a very self-aware thing of him to say that basically, you know, and, and I'm churching this up a little bit. Um, he's basically like, hey, we, you know, Jalen's gone. We can't be a bunch of one-trick ponies now. You know, we we, they're, they're, we don't have a bunch of guys that can just be role players anymore. Um, you got to have dudes that can do it all. You got to add elements to your game. And and I think Nazir was probably talking about himself. I mean, listen, he's not a sack artist. He's not a big pass rusher. Um, you know, Jalen brought that. Jalen brought the three-down impact there. So did Devontae Wyatt. Um, Georgia's going to need to replace that. That Georgia needs that next guy. Is it Bear Alexander? Um, you know, from what I understand, the practice habits need to get better if that's going to happen with Bear Alexander. Is it going to be Tyrion Ingram Dawkins or Warren Brinson? Well, nobody knows at this point. But Georgia's defensive line is going to have to change. Some guys are going to have to round out their game if the Bulldogs are going to pick up where they left off. Um, but I will say this. He did round it off into a into a, 
the Georgia way, which is stopping the run. And uh, I do expect Georgia to once again have one of the nation's top run defenses. They got dudes up front. But times they are changing for Georgia's defensive line. And, uh, you know, Trey Scott, he's not wanting to, not wanting to put the saddle on a bunch of one-trick ponies. He, he needs more than that. Amen. Palmer, what you got? Yeah, I'll chop wood about the other interview uh, from last night, and that was Arian Smith, um, who is strong in his opinion uh, that he is the fastest uh, player on this kit, on this team, maybe the fastest kid alive. People are saying <laughs> it's impossible uh, to know for sure. He's the fastest kid alive. <laughs> he's a freak. He's the fastest kid alive. Um, <laughs> No, but I mean, the, the I think this goes in line with what I've said about the wide receiver room in general is you look at that group and uh, the speed that they've got, that they have built up a, a – I mean, you could run one hell of a 4 by 100 relay with Arian Smith, C.J. Smith, Yazid Haynes, Humphrey. and and, uh, and Anthony Evans. Um, those, those four just in the wide receiver room. I mean, you're, you're right – there Wes that you've got guys at other positions that, that could run as well uh, but Georgia has some speed and they're those guys are learning how to use that speed on the football field they've got track speed but they're trying to turn it into football speed um, you know and, and I think with with a guy like Arian that's been around for as long as he has um, you know now going into his fourth season this year um, you know he understands that and he's taking what he's learned and and trying to continue and, and he's continuing to learn and he's relaying that along to those younger guys so th so that they can get underway in their development of that um he, he had some high praise for Yazid Haynes said that you know he's he's already uh you know a crafty route runner doesn't need to be coached up there that he just needs to learn the plays so I think if uh if Arian Smith had a vote on most impactful for those freshmen, it would be Yazida Haynes. So, um, chopping wood about Arian and the speedy wideouts. Yeah, y'all go listen to that. We don't get to hear from Arian Smith too much. So, uh, talks about as fast as he runs, too. Yep, fast, fast runner, fast talker. Ooh, he talks fast. All right. Um, uh, Matthew C said I should be chopping wood about WrestleMania. I canceled my YouTube TV a couple weeks ago, so I'm, I'm not, I haven't been tuned into the WWE. I wasn't watching all that much, but anyway, AEW was more of my speed, and I'm still keeping up with that. But, um, I'll be keeping up with the results from WrestleMania. What I am chopping wood about tonight, though, is all of this. There's been all this conjecture uh, suddenly over the last couple of days on Twitter, it seems, about Georgia's schedule sucks this year. And I'm chopping wood about the fact that they're absolutely right. Georgia's schedule does suck this year. It's terrible. But that's not Georgia's doing, okay? They're supposed to play Oklahoma. That all got thrown out the window. Kirby Smart's a chicken. They're making do with what they got. And listen, if you're a Georgia fan, don't defend it. Who cares? Listen, sometimes you draw the good straw, and this is a great year for you to get it. The schedule sucks. If you're a season ticket holder, you're probably devastated. You probably wish the schedule was better. But Georgia – has an easy schedule this year. There's not a lot of excuses uh, as to why they can't do well. And I think it's a great, it sets up beautifully for them to develop some of these new guys, bring a new quarterback along. It's tremendous. Who cares what other people think? Embrace your shitty schedule. <laughs> That's what I say tonight. Yes. Embrace it. Give it a nice warm hug and hope that you have 
just enough adversity along the way to be ready for a postseason run. That's Alabama's not playing the 85 Bears every year, okay? They're not, it's that's just not happening. Nope. Uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in and uh, taking it easy on us tonight. Certainly not the 85 Bears in our comment section this week, but uh, it's just one of those weeks, man. You got to enjoy it, ride this Georgia spring momentum, and knock on wood, everyone stays healthy, and uh, you see a healthy, much improved, productive team through G-Day and uh, quarterback competition that lasts into the fall. Y'all hit like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Thank you for tuning in every Wednesday and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Uh, and every Monday at 9 for Bark After Dark and the premium subscription plan over at dogshq.com. Still up and running for you to be a part of our wonderful message board it is unique. It is lively. We are talking about the Braves. We are talking about Georgia football. We are talking about wrestling and everything you can do in Atlanta with a child <laughs> was the most controversial thread of the past week, I think. Hey, I want to make an announcement real quick. Bark After Dark on Monday, we are having Elon Musk. Coming on Bark After Dark. Um, no, actually, we're uh, Brooks Austin, film guy. Uh, from the oh, uh, film man, film guy fam. Uh, we're gonna have Brooks on, we're gonna talk with him about some stuff, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully a film session does not break out because uh, we don't like football a whole lot on Bark After Dark. We like to, uh, it's more of a BS type show. <laughs> we, made it, we made it through the whole Brandon Adams episode basically without mentioning football. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the most football we talked was about mayhem in the tunnel and that bedlam yeah. in the tunnel, and that was about it. Yeah. Has Brooks Austin ever seen an actual strip of film? That's my question that I will leave all of us with. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll catch you soon.